Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly podcast. We hope you experience God today. Make sure you visit us at risenking.life to take all your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. Welcome to church, everybody. I'm not Pastor Mike. Uh, My name's Gabe. I'm one of the pastors here. Pastor Mike is preaching at a conference called College of Prayer down in Arkansas. And so he's away this weekend. He's preaching at a church this morning, but he'll be back this week. So you got me. I'm your, I'm your fill-in guy here today, and I'm excited to be here. Um, you know, I want to start off today's uh, talk with a really spiritual and theologically sound joke. Okay. Because why not? I think we need to laugh a little more in church. All right. So everybody cool with a joke? Does anybody want to hear a joke? Because you kind of gave me a lackluster response there. All right. Quick joke. It won't take long. So um, it's uh, time for this pastor, this local church, to make some home visits. And a husband and wife uh, have invited this pastor into their home for dinner. So when the pastor comes for dinner, you know, all, all the nice place settings, the, the fine china, the good silver, it all comes out. The stuff that usually only comes out at Christmas and Thanksgiving is out when the pastor comes over. Okay. <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink. Anyways, uh, just kidding. So the pastor comes over, they have a great meal together, great time. The, the evening comes to a close, they say goodnight, pastor leaves. And uh, as the husband and wife are doing the dishes together, because it's 2019 and that's what husband and wives do, they do dishes together, just like they prepared that meal together. Anyways, as they're doing the dishes, the wife says, you know, we're missing one of my nice spoons, my silver spoons, I don't know where it went. And so they think, it'll turn up in a few days. Well, a few days go by, and they can't find the spoon. And it's just eating at her. And she says to her husband, I think our pastor stole our spoon. (laughs) This is a joke for anybody that came in late. This is not true. Um, I think our pastor stole our spoon. Husband says, you're crazy. It'll turn up. Don't worry about it. Well, a whole year goes by, and this just eats at her week after week. As she sits and listens to the pastor preach, I can't believe this guy stole my spoon. (laughs) So it's time for the pastor to come back over for dinner because a whole year has gone by. And uh, so she she says, I'm going to call him out on it. So midway through the dinner, a year later, she drops her fork. She says, Pastor, I think you stole my spoon last year. Did you steal my spoon? The husband's just like mortified and embarrassed. (laughs) And the pastor smiles. He says, no, I did not take your spoon home with me that night. And he points to the corner of the room and he says, but I did hide it in your Bible on that bookshelf over there. Come on, that's funny. That's funny. All right. Okay, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit this morning. Holy Spirit power. Um, so we've designed this morning, first of all, didn't Farrell and the worship team do a great job leading us into the presence of God? Man, I'm so blown away by how good they are, and I could just feel the presence of God all throughout worship and in all these services. So we've designed this morning to not just be a, a sermon, but an experience, an encounter with God. So we're not just going to talk about the Holy Spirit here. We're actually going to experience his power and his filling towards the end of this service. Amen? Anybody excited about that and ready for it? So um, the premise for today's talk is this. It's in order to live a life of purpose, of power, and of promise, we must be continually filled with the Holy Spirit and walk in that fullness. Amen? Anybody, does it sound good to anyone else besides me? A life of purpose, a power, and a promise. And, you know, Jesus gave us clear directions that we're going to look at in a minute on how to walk in that purpose. He gave his disciples a mission and a purpose. He said, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them. But before they were able to fulfill that purpose, before they could, he said, wait for it. And so we're going to look at that together today. And and before we jump too far in, I want to tell you that a good um, bit of this introduction is taken right out of my good friend, Dr. Rob Reamer's book. It's up on the screens there for you. River Dwellers Living in the Fullness of the Spirit. Uh, Rob Reamer goes to church here, and, and this is an incredible book. He goes way more in depth than we have time for in a 30 minute message this morning on this topic. I encourage you, if you've never read it, 
get this book. I wouldn't even be mad if you took out your phone and ordered it on Amazon right now while we were <laughs> preaching. Wi-Fi strong, it can handle it. So uh, it's a great book, really, worth every penny. And so I encourage you to grab that. So here's the premise, or we talked about the premise. Here's the, the first point I want to cover is that, you know, when we came to faith in Christ, when we surrendered our life to the Lord, when we put our faith and our trust in him as Lord and Savior, the one who forgives our sins, the one who went to the cross and, and was raised to life, when we did that, when we have that encounter with God, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually takes up residence in our soul. And he begins to work in us and work on us. And we begin to see change right away when we place our faith in him. We receive the Holy Spirit. But here's the follow-up point to that that I think sometimes can almost get overlooked in the Christian life. There is a second encounter, a subsequent event called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How many people know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've encountered this in your own life before, depending on your background. If you went to church or didn't, or depending what kind of church you went to, some churches emphasize this more than others. Some, unfortunately, straight up ignore it and, and don't even believe in it. I've even seen some that talk against it. That, no, 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 you don't need a second filling because you got all of Jesus when you gave your life to him. Listen, you did get all of Jesus. You did get his spirit. He did, he did take up residence in your soul. But Jesus commands us, we're going to look at in a minute, to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so that's what we want to cover today. And then the other thing we're going to look at, or we're going to, uh, I'm going to share with you, is a personal story from my own life of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we even get to hear from our youth pastor, Isaiah, who just took a group of teenagers to this big conference two weeks ago called Life and how they met the Holy Spirit there. So it's going to be a fun uh, morning or early afternoon together. So the scriptural basis for the second encounter the baptism of the Holy Spirit is found when we look and compare John 20 and Acts 1. In John 20, Jesus appears to his disciples, and this is after his death and resurrection, before his ascension to heaven. He appears to his disciples, and he says this in verse 21, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus himself was standing in front of us right now, the son of the living God, the resurrected Christ, if he was standing in front of us and breathed on us and said, receive the Holy Spirit, do you think we received the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Absolutely. No question about it. This is what Jesus says and does to them in John 20. Well, just a short time later, right, still while he's on earth after his resurrection, but before his ascension, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus instructs his disciples to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like, wait, Jesus, you just said that we received your Holy Spirit. Well, now he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a separate event. So in Acts 1-4, it says this, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized, just immersed, submersed with the presence and the power of the living God, the Spirit of God. How many people are hungry for an encounter like this? And I want to say, let me read this one and then I'll say that. In Acts 1-8, to follow up just a few verses later after verse 4 that we just read, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is what Jesus commands us to do, to wait for power from on high. I'm so hungry to see more of this in my life. And I'm so convinced that apart from this filling, I can do nothing. I might see measured results. I might have good days and bad days. I might, I might see some things. But I'm telling you, if we want to live a life of purpose, of power, of promise, 
We are to ask for this filling of the Spirit and to seek it. Amen? And this is the scriptural basis for it. Before we jump too much further, can, can you all turn in your Bibles? If you have your Bible with you, if not, just pull out your smartphone like I do. The Bible app is a great thing. Acts chapter 2. So Jesus commands his disciples to wait for this filling of the Spirit. And you know what's interesting? Uh, he gives them the mission, I should say that first, to go and make disciples. Then he says, wait for my Holy Spirit. That's where you'll get your power. And his disciples, they don't buy a building. They don't start a church. <laughs> they don't start a program. They don't go to seminary and study. They just go seek the face of God. They just sit in his presence and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I love all the things I just named. We're standing in a building. <laughs> we're, we're part of a church. There's a lot of programs here. There's a seminary down the road, which I love. All those things are great, but I think sometimes we overcomplicate things. When Jesus said, receive this power, receive this filling, and then go out and complete the mission and the purpose that I've set before you. Amen? Come on, somebody say amen. You guys are too quiet for Sunday afternoon. Come on. So... Uh, I want to jump right into a, just a couple things to consider, and then I'm going to share uh, some personal experiences that I've had with the Holy Spirit that I hope the, the, the purpose of sharing what I've, I've experienced is to build faith in the room and, and to encourage you to remember the times that you've seen the Holy Spirit fill you as well. And, and there's probably a category of folks in this room that maybe have never had that initial baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I got news for you. You're in the perfect place if that's you. Tell somebody next to you, today is your day. <laughs> so even if you've never had that experience or you've had it before, but you've you had it a long time ago, today is your day to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to sit up here and talk about it from Scripture or talk about it from what I experienced years ago. I want to see a fresh filling right here and now. Amen? And you know, the word that Paul uses so many times in Galatians 5 or Romans 8 to, to say being filled with the Spirit, what it really means is to be continually filled. It's not a one-time fill up this cup and then hope it lasts for the rest of your life. It's a continual filling of the Spirit. It's a choice to walk in a Spirit. So the first thing that, that we need to establish is that Jesus himself has given this clear direction to wait for a power encounter. You know, it boggles my mind that there are Christians and even Christian leaders today that say that it's not commanded. Say we don't need the power encounter. Jesus himself says to his disciples, wait for power from on high. Why in the world would we skip over this part of the Bible? And if you don't believe it in Acts 1, look at Acts 2. Did we read that yet? Okay, let's read it. <laughs> in Acts 2, after the disciples, I got ahead of myself, after the disciples waited for it, in verse 1 of, of uh, chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly, suddenly. a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, somebody say all, all. were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is a power encounter. And then there's a whole group of folks that say, well, it was just for the disciples. It was just for that 120 that were in that room. Bullcrap. <laughs> I had to make sure I said the right word there. Bullcrap. That's crazy. In Acts 4, it says that all of the disciples were filled. In Acts 13, it says all of the disciples were filled. On and on and on it goes. Paul says again in Romans 8 and Galatians 5, to be continually filled and walk in the Spirit. Amen? So I want us to just throw off this notion that I shouldn't seek God for his power or what he can do for me. I get it. I've used that phrase too. seek God, seek his face, not his hand. And there's a lot of truth in that. And there's a lot of times that that applies. But I'm telling you now, Jesus said to wait for it. And it wasn't a wait in the doctor's office and pray that your name gets called one day. It's an active waiting, a pursuing, a seeking after this baptism. Amen. 
And then the other thing that's so important, because I know a lot of streams, or I shouldn't say streams, but I know plenty of Christians that I've met in my life, and I've been guilty of this, they seek the filling, they seek the power encounter, but then they don't do anything with it. Then they choose just to keep coming back for another encounter, and another encounter, and another encounter. When the whole reason that Jesus commanded his disciples to wait for this power encounter is to fulfill the mission to fulfill the mission that he gave them. And so every time we have this fresh filling, every time we have a power encounter with the Holy Spirit, it's to enable us, to empower us, to carry out the purpose and the mission that God has for us. Amen? Come on, that's good stuff. We are called to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. It doesn't say walk in the Spirit on Sunday, but walk in the flesh on Monday. It says to continually walk in the spirit. Amen. Um, before I just jump into to some of my own personal story, um, I want to say this, that being filled with the Holy Spirit and then walking in the spirit, it's kind of like working out. It would be great if every time I picked up a weight and did one bicep curl, I saw a big muscle pop right out of my arm. Like, oh, that's nice. I'm done. Look good enough. See ya. Or if every time I ate one healthy meal, I could drop 10 pounds right away. It'd be phenomenal. But the reality is that's not how it works. And I think walking in the spirit is the same way. It's like exercising a muscle. It's saying yes to God in the small things, in small ways, and then seeing his power show up after we say yes. Come on, anybody with me? You know, it's those small promptings when you think, I should call that person, I should talk to him or her, I should reach out to them, maybe I should sit by this person or anything like that. Maybe I should ask this question. Those small promptings, when we are faithful and obedient and say yes to those, watch the Holy Spirit take over and just blow your mind with how he wants to demonstrate his power in those situations. I think too many times we think that the sky is going to part Cloud's going to come down and we're going to see a heavenly figure say, you should do this next. It's not how it works. Okay, we follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit and we say yes to them. And that's how we walk in the Spirit. And then the last point I'll make before I jump into some personal stories is you don't have to block out a three-hour window to fall flat on your face to seek the Lord and talk to the Holy Spirit. On your drive home from work, before you encounter your kids and your family, you say, Holy Spirit, what do my kids need from me this evening? What do you want me to ask them about? How can I pray for them now? What is my, how can I serve my wife or my husband? Uh, what are you calling me to do? As you're driving into work, Lord, which coworker should I talk to today? What questions should I ask? Would you set up divine appointments for me to be able to minister your love and your power? It's these small prayers and then being faithful and obedient when he gives you the opportunity. Amen? Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about my, uh, some, my experience being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I, I wanted to bring you um, encouragement today because God is no respecter of persons or of age or of status. At 11 years old, um, I had this encounter with God. I, I was at a youth group service. It was one of my first youth group services I was allowed to attend. I was finally old enough. My uncle was the youth pastor. He preached a great sermon, I'm sure, but I don't remember any of it. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I wasn't paying attention or what, but at 11 years old, I didn't remember any of it. But after the sermon, he called the worship team back up on stage. They, they sang a couple songs, and he just said, if you want to come down to the altar and worship, the altar is open. Nobody prayed for anybody. Nobody laid hands on anybody. So at 11 years old, I get out of my seat. I walk up front. My hands go up in worship, and immediately I'm down on the floor like a ton of bricks, just hit with the weight of the presence of God. I'm on, I'm on my back, and my eyes are shut, and I have this vision. And I see the earth kind of from outer space. I was a grandiose 11-year-old. And uh, it's just kind of spinning. And then I see Jesus standing next to the spinning earth. And he just says one phrase that I'll never forget. You will go and you will preach. That was it. And I just started weeping at 11. Never forget that feeling. I'll never forget that moment. And then my mouth opened up. 
and words came out that I had never heard before. I started speaking in another language that I didn't know at all. Trust me. <laughs> Couldn't have made it up if I wanted to. At 11 years old, I have this encounter. And I laid there for what seemed like hours. And, uh, you know, I remember driving home that night. We lived about almost an hour away, actually, at that time. And my sister was driving. The first miracle in that story was we made it home safe because she was a terrible <laughs> driver. And they gave driver's license to 16-year-olds in Ohio, so that was crazy. They were way too young to drive. Anyways, I digress. Uh, I remember just weeping and her weeping as I shared what God did in me. And then just a couple years later at my church, uh, revival had broken out at my church. And I'll, I'll share this real quick. My pastor heard about a revival that had broken out in Toronto at a church called the, like the Toronto Airport Vineyard or something. And he went up there, um, he went, I, th I think he went to that one, and there was one in Florida that kind of broke out at the same time, and I forget which one he went to, but he went up there to discount it, to say it was nonsense, maybe even demonic. But what happened was he went there and came back, and he brought revival to our church. And we had about three months of church services, five or six nights a week. And then that continued out throughout my teenage years. I was so blessed to be in that church at that time. So at 13, there was this guy at our church. His name's Rodney Howard Brown. He's from Australia. Big guy, big booming voice. And he, his nickname, I don't know if he gave himself this name or someone else did, was God's Bartender. Okay, now before you gasp, I guess that is partially scriptural because Peter comes out after Acts 2 when these guys are speaking in different languages and says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. And so sometimes when people get filled with the spirit, they do weird things. God's a big God and we don't have an explanation for it. Sometimes it's just to break all your pride and everything else off, but God does weird things. I'll leave it at that. So this guy's name is God's bartender. Take it or leave it. I'm not condoning it. I'm just telling you what, who he was. So anyways, he prays over me and I fall over laughing for two hours, uncontrollably at 13. Just laughter, holy laughter. My stomach and my face, I still remember that feeling. They hurt at the end of those two hours because I could not stop laughing. It was a Holy Spirit moment. About a year later, I'm in the same church, and a guy by the name of Randy Clark was speaking, and he gave this great message. And then he said, I'm going to open up the altar. If you're a teenager, if you're a young person and you feel called to missions, I want you to come up. It was like somebody lit a match under my chair. My chair was on fire. I couldn't sit any longer. I sprang up, ran down to the front, hands up. Same thing. I went down, and I responded to a call to serve the Lord in, in missions work that night at 14. In uh, probably maybe just a couple years after that, last one, and then I'll tell kind of a, a bigger story. Um, at 16, I'm sitting in that same church, and this lady's preaching, and I'm not paying attention at all. It was before cell phones, so we couldn't text with our friends, so we actually had to get out paper and pen and write notes and goof off that way in church, right? So a whole row of teenagers, and the lady's preaching over here, but she had a wireless microphone, so she was walking around. I didn't know where she was. I was looking this way, passing notes back and forth. And all of a sudden, I hear this big voice. And she says, young man. And I'm like, please, don't be talking to me. <laughs> she said it again. Young man, stand up. And I look, and she's pointing at me. And I thought, take me home, Jesus. <laughs> she caught me screwing around at church. They're going to burn me at the stake. You know, this is going to be bad. And so I stand up, and she says, God's got a call on your life. And you're going to have an opportunity. I don't know what your plans are after high school, but you're going to have an opportunity to serve him before your higher education plans, and you need to think about it. And then I sat down, and she kept preaching her sermon. And I'm like, what just happened? I was thrilled that I didn't get in trouble for talking in church, but also like, wow, what's going on? It was only a few months after that. I was on a missions trip to Grenada, a uh, small island in the Caribbean, and the missionary came up to me at the end of the trip, and he said, you know, you're graduating high school next year. I don't know what your plans are, but I'd love for you to come move down here and work with us on the mission field. And I was like, yes, I will. <laughs> I don't have to talk to my parents. I don't even have to pray about that one. When God calls you to the Caribbean, you just go. <laughs> okay. 
You say, oh, I feel the spirit all over that one. <laughs> yes, Lord, I will go. Here I am. Send me. Uh, now, when he calls me to New Jersey, I have to pray for a couple weeks <laughs> when I get invitations to go to New Jersey. I'm just kidding. Hope that didn't offend anybody from New Jersey. So this happened, I mean, a few months before, and this lady didn't know me, and I hadn't had that trip experience or that invitation yet, but she said, you're going to get an opportunity. It doesn't always happen. You know, God rarely has spoken in my life that clearly like that about exact things, but that worked out great. Two weeks after high school, I moved to Grenada and uh, served the Lord there for a couple years doing missions work, and after I responded to that call at the Randy Clark meeting to serve the Lord in missions, I got an opportunity and went on five missions trips over the next four years of my high school career. So it was awesome to see. So I'm serving the Lord in Grenada. I want to show you just a picture of that again, how nice it would, you know, how nice it is and how quick we have to say yes when we're asked to serve in, in the Caribbean. Uh, Grenada is like the second island from Venezuela, all the way at the bottom of that map. It was a great time. I loved every moment of it. And, uh, Look at that, there's 18-year-old Gabe on the beach. I had to show that picture, you know. 30 pounds ago, just kidding. I won't leave it up long. We were building a raft to try to float it or whatever. Anyways, um, so I wanna, I wanna share this story that happened while I was in Grenada. Um, this is a beach that I lived, the house that, that we lived in was 10 minutes from this beach, a 10-minute walk. So again, it was easy to say yes to that call. Um, so I was living in Grenada and, uh, I'm going to share this story about how the Ho Holy Spirit showed up in power and seemingly used a really small thing and turned it into just a massive demonstration of his power. And I said this earlier, but I want to say it again to encourage you. Um, don't dismiss these small promptings of the spirit. Do not dismiss them. It's not just you. It is you, but it's the Holy Spirit in you. He lives in us, amen? And if we're walking by the Spirit, when we have these thoughts, when we have these promptings, when we have these ideas and these opportunities, it's the Holy Spirit in us. And so our job is to say, yes, Lord, and see what he does. So let me tell you this story. If you look out at that beach, about, it's hard to tell with perspective and everything on this shot, but about 50 feet from the sand is, you can see sticking out of the water there, this rock barrier reef. And it runs the whole length of the, of the beach right there. So if this stage was the beach, right, the sand, and then this is the water, then the rock barrier reef just runs parallel right along it. Now, it creates a nice place to swim when the sea is calm. It's a pretty calm area to swim. But it can get dangerous when the seas are rough. These waves come crashing over this reef, and it creates a nasty current. The current will shoot you out either end of the reef or... What happens is a big wave comes over and takes you and slams you against the rocks. While I was living in Grenada, I heard between five and seven different people were killed at this spot. Um, and countless other stories of people either being thrown out to sea or slammed against the rocks. So it can get dangerous when it's rough. Well, we were hosting a uh, short-term missions team, a construction team from a church to come down, and they were going to build a, a church building for us in Grenada. And one of the young men on the trip, his name was Brandon. He was about 19 years old. He had just gotten saved, just given his life to the Lord three months before this trip. He got saved, found the church, and said, I want to go on this trip. I want to serve the Lord. I do construction for a living. I can go down and help. Well, how many people know the enemy loves to step up his attacks when we make a bold step of faith like that? And so when Brandon gets down here, he, works, he worked the first day on the construction site, and his body broke out in these sores all over the place. And uh, he had some allergic reaction to the sun down there. Open sores, super painful. Uh, I mean, it was just awful. So he was in bed for two or three days recovering from this. And this is what happens right when he gets to Grenada. After two or three days of laying in bed and feeling a little better, he gets out of bed. He's walking around. We think, okay, here's signs of life. Well, he calls home. When he got saved, he was living with his girlfriend. His girlfriend did not get saved. So he proposed to her. He said, let's get married. And so they're engaged. She did not go on the missions trip. She's back home. So he calls her up to check in on her, and she says, well, I've got some news for you. I found someone else. 
I moved out of the apartment already, and I dropped the keys off with your mom. Have a nice life. Awful news. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what else could happen to this guy? The, you know, the reaction of the skin and then this. It's like, welcome to the family, Brandon. So glad you signed up for, you know, kingdom work here. But, um, you know, of course, we try to minister to him that, is, you know, this is what happens. The enemy loves to step up his, his attack plan on you. Well, Brandon was just devastated. And, and uh, he said, I'm going to fly home tomorrow. I got to sort this out. I should have never come. Super discouraged. He uh, slipped down out of the house and down to the beach, and right along the beach are a couple different beach bars, so he sits at the bar and starts throwing back a couple beers to try to drown his sorrows, and we didn't know that at the time, so we walked down, a group of about 10 of us to go swimming, and we see Brandon at the bar, and we're like, uh-oh. So one of, our, uh, one of the big pastors on the team, he was a big burly guy, you know, if you're going to go grab a guy out of a bar, you got to send the big guys. So he was the biker pastor of this church, right? I mean, biker, like Harley Davidson biker. So anyway, so he goes over there and he says, you guys go ahead and swim. I'll, I'll talk with Brandon. So after about an hour, him and Brandon come walking down the beach to meet us. And Brandon looks like a different person. I mean, his, his face is just radiating with light. And he's got this smile on his face. And he said, we had an incredible time of prayer and talking with Pastor Al I've got this renewed hope and this renewed purpose to be here. I'm not going home early. This is just an attack from the enemy. I'm here for a reason. I'm staying. We were all ecstatic. We couldn't believe it. It was great. Well, uh, we continued to swim a little bit more, and it was about dinner time, and I don't skip many meals. So <laughs> I exit the ocean to walk up the beach back home. And I'll never forget, I heard this phrase just as I had started to walk up the beach. I hear one of the guys on our team yell, Hey, Brandon's swimming, but he's not getting anywhere. So that caught my attention. I turn around, and I see Brandon right up against this rock barrier reef, struggling to stay up, just swimming as, as hard as he can, but not moving an inch. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> so I don't know what it was in me. I believe now is the Holy Spirit prompting me, perhaps. But I don't know what it was in me. I just jumped in. I didn't think about it. I know that was probably the, I know now that was the stupid thing to do to go and put myself in that same position. But I jump in to swim after him. And you know, the whole time I'm swimming out there towards him, I'm thinking, I'm going to look awesome. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to look like David Hasselhoff on Baywatch. I've already got the body for it. And now, I'm just going to save a guy's life. This is going to be amazing. I mean, I'm kind of embellishing, but these are literally thoughts going through my head. So I get out to him, and he is like near the end. I mean, he's been gulping water in. He's panicking. He grabs onto this arm, my right arm, and I start staying afloat with just my left arm and kicking like crazy. And I'm, I'm still thinking at this point, I'm going to swim in with one arm. It'll be fine. Oh, I soon found out near impossible. I mean, I, I couldn't, I wasn't moving an inch, and he was dragging me down, so now I'm panicking. And then before long, I feel my feet and my legs hitting against that rock wall, that rock reef, and now I'm really freaking out, because if you know me, I'm terrified of, like, sharks and whales. I think every time I go in the ocean, I'm going to hit something that's going to eat me. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, God, was that a shark? Was it a whale? Was it the reef? What was that? So I'm kicking, and we're fighting, and... Before long, this big wave came over the rock wall, and when it receded, it picked us up and threw us over the rock wall. Now, looking back, that was the first miracle because it's a miracle it didn't slam us into the wall and kill us right there, knock us out or whatever. So now we're beyond the reef, beyond the rock wall, just getting pulled further and further out to sea. And, you know, if you start floating in, at this beach and you look straight out from that picture... The first land you'll see is the west coast of Africa, about 3,000 miles from there. So it would be a long swim, you know. So I knew the stories. I knew people were dead once they went past that reef. In fact, nobody had ever gone past that reef and come back to talk about it. So we're getting pulled further and further back. I'm fighting and fighting, which is the wrong thing to do when you're trying to fight a current. I've found out since. Would have been helpful all those years ago. 
So I'm getting pulled further and further back, and finally I just give up and start floating on my back, and I think this is it. I'm going to die out here in the ocean. You know, uh, I thought this is so stupid, and I'm gonna, I came down here to serve God, and I'm just going to die like this in a swimming accident. Um, so just like the movies, you know, I don't know if anybody in here has ever been in a near death or life-threatening situation, but you start getting the highlight reel of your life playing through your mind. I mean, I'm getting memories and pictures of, of my childhood, of family, of friends, crazy. And I'm thinking, this is really going to happen. Um, so as I'm floating there, I instantly get this image, and it's a picture of a newspaper headline, and it says, two American missionaries drown. And I thought, oh, that's a comforting image to have while I'm floating <laughs> in the middle of the, middle of the ocean. And then the next image I got, I looked up, and I saw Jesus. I was looking up at the sky, and I saw I see just this image of Jesus standing. And then on either side of him, uh, about six months before this event, my grandfather passed away. And about two weeks before this event, I had an uncle that passed away. So I see standing next to Jesus, my grandfather and my uncle, and they have welcoming smiles on all three of their faces, like, welcome home, big fella. And I'm thinking oh, this is real. <laughs> this is happening. Um, it, was, it was a pretty freaky feeling. So at that moment, I had this thought, and I, I believe it was the Holy Spirit definitely prompting me. Um, I said, you know, if me and Brandon die today like this in a stupid swimming accident, it will bring no glory to God. How is this going to advance his kingdom? A few months before this event, I was in Grenada sharing the gospel with a Rastafarian, and they're, they're pretty peaceful Rastafarians, but this guy was a little crazy. And so as I'm talking about Jesus, he pulled out a machete like he was going to cut right at my neck. He didn't, thank God. But I thought, you know, if I died in that instance, at least there's some glory for Christ. I remember being 14 years old and in Mexico ministering in an impoverished village. And as we were ministering, people were responding, but then the cult leaders found out what we were doing, and they kind of incited a crowd to start throwing rocks at us at 14 years old. I remember running for my life away from rocks. So, you know, if I died in that instance, there'll be some glory for the kingdom of God. But a swimming accident, what would this do for, for the testimony of the ministry in Grenada? What would this do for the kingdom of God? It was senseless. So I remember I prayed this prayer out loud. I said, we're not dying today. I flipped over on my stomach, and I got one last look at the shoreline. I thought, I'm going to start swimming for it. And all the people that were moving on the beach looked like little dots. That's how far out we were. I mean, you just see dots, like, moving around. I said, okay, when I come down off this wave, I'm going to start swimming. So as I'm coming down this wave, I'm mid-stroke, my arms up like this. I come down, and my knees and my hands hit a solid rock, solid surface. And my first thought as I'm sitting there on my hands and knees is, I found a rock in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what was going on. And then I thought, maybe I hit a whale or something. I'm going to ride a whale into the shore. <laughs> my crazy mind, scared to death of stuff like that. So as the water receded and I look up, I realize I'm now standing on top of the reef that I was just seconds before, hundreds of yards away from. And the shore is right in front of me. I'm telling you right now, the power of God is real. So the story gets even better. Brandon had been hundreds of feet to my right, way far away. We had been separated. And so I turned to look for him in the ocean, hoping to still see him staying afloat. I don't see him. And then I hear a voice behind me. And the voice just says this, how did we get here? So I turn around, and Brandon is standing on this side of me, looking right at me, look of amazement on his face. And I said, I don't know, man, I prayed. And he's like, I think God heard your prayer. <laughs> there is no explanation for that. I've had people come up after sharing the story, well, perhaps a wave. I'm like, eh, shut up. <laughs> there is no explanation other than the power of God. So we're now, amen, we can give God praise for that. So we're, we're standing here, and we're actually embracing one another because the waves are still coming over that reef and knock, could knock us in. 
and the water still churning up in front of us, we actually had to shout at the people on the beach to come back. They had started walking towards the house thinking that we were already dead. So they didn't see, like, they had turned around to walk away, and then all of a sudden we're yelling, uh, we're not dead yet, <laughs> come back. It's like Monty Python's Holy Grail, not quite dead yet. <laughs> so uh, they come back, and, um, you know, we still couldn't just jump right in. So I, I looked at Brandon, and I said, you know what? God created this ocean. He calmed the seas so many times throughout Scripture. He can do it again. He said, all right. Count to three and we'll jump. So we count to three. And right when we counted to three, the water that was like white with foam and churning and churning was almost completely still. We jumped for our lives. And it was like a cartoon where you're in midair and your arms are already moving, you know, so that when you hit the water, you take off. So we hit the water, take off, swim up onto the shore. Brandon kind of got dragged up because he had taken in a lot of water. He was so tired. Uh, but he, once they got him on his back, he spit the water up. He was totally fine, both of us, totally fine. And there was a group of about 10 or 15 American missionaries there from the team, and then maybe 20 or so local Grenadians there. And they formed us. We had all formed a circle around Brandon while he was down. So once Brandon spits up the water and he's fine, I never forget these words. And I, it was like an out-of-body experience because I don't think it was me talking. I think it was the Holy Spirit. I said this. I said, if anyone has ever doubted that Jesus Christ is Lord, you have no reason to doubt, to doubt again after you saw what you just saw. And it was like in a church. Everybody said, Amen. like everybody on the beach was just, you know, ecstatic. They couldn't believe it. You know, no one had ever gone over that reef and lived to tell about it. Even now, years later, I'll call the worship team up. As I close here, even now, years later, when I go back and I go back to that beach, they say, oh, yeah, you're the white guy that went over the reef <laughs> and lived to tell about it. I'm like, that's me. I'll wear that hat proudly. <laughs> the only one to go over and come back. I want to tell you guys something that our God is a God of power. You know, he took you don't have to be perfect to be used by God. He took I was an arrogant, prideful you know, 18-year-old kid. I thought I was going to look like David Hasselhoff in Baywatch, go save a guy. Like, what an idiot, you know? And he used that, just a simple, you know, okay, I'll go. And just a demonstration of his power and literally physically saved two people's lives that day. And what a testimony to those. That story's gone all around that island. What a testimony to the power of God. I know I want to encourage you today that as you um, encounter the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to open up a time now um, to encounter his presence and his power. As, as we open ourselves up to that and we choose to walk in the spirit, these are the kinds of demonstrations of power from the Holy Spirit that should be a regular occurrence in our lives. Is anybody else hungry for that? Anybody else want to see that kind of power in their life? I want to invite you to stand to your feet. We're going um, to sing just a chorus of a song in a moment called Holy Spirit. You know, it just says, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. I want to invite you now just to put your hands out, maybe with your eyes closed, your hands out to receive. Lord, we open up our hearts to you. We say that you are welcome here. you come and move, God. Let's sing this song together. Holy Spirit, you are worth. Oh, you're welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the earth. Oh, you change things in your glory. God is what our hearts long for to be. It's so funny. These words, they define the posture 
of the hearts of all of the youth that were at the Life Conference that we just got back from. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a room full of 5,000 youth, 1,000 leaders, all chasing after Jesus, all praising Jesus. The Holy Spirit was present in that place in a tangible way, in a heavy way, and it was cool. There was expectation. Um, and I want to share all the stories with you, but I don't have the time to do all that. We hope to get those stories to you because I could tell you about the two guys who had someone come and prophesy over their lives about the things that God's going to do through their creative abilities, like the way they make music and the poems that they write. I could tell you about the two, three girls that responded to the call to ministry that's on their lives while we were out there. Um, but the story I think I should hone in on is this story. There was this one night where one of the speakers was talking about the Holy Spirit's presence in the midst of our pain. And after we were done listening to the sermon, we headed back to a hotel room and all 23 of us were just stuffed up in this one hotel room and it smelled and it was super hot, but it was the way it was supposed to be because we're family. And so uh, we were there and everybody was just one by one sharing different things that the Lord had been doing in their hearts. And there was this one girl, um, she started crying she had gotten this sickness right when we got to the conference and i don't think it was a coincidence she started coughing um, a lot of like phlegm and mucus was in her chest and so she was so upset because she felt like it distracted her from what could have been such a great trip um, so she begins to cry and she says something happened to her and i don't know how many people knew about what she had been going through this year but what happens is when your heart sits in darkness that's where the shame comes and eats at it and so she made a decision in faith and in trust to just put her heart into the light that night and she shared what happened to her and we're all crying with her and we're feeling for her because she's family um, and so after she opens up and she's coughing and she's like I'm so mad that this is what happened and why didn't God stop that why did this have to happen to me and she's coughing and she's hysterical we say you know what let's pray for her and so I have one of the youth pray for her heart and for some emotional healing and then I had one of the leaders pray for healing and as we're all praying i got this prompting by the holy spirit to put my hand right here onto her onto her chest like by her neck and to just call all of the mucus and all of the phlegm that's in there to dry up in jesus name to just go and uh it was all for his glory you know i've never seen a healing happen in my entire life but we just we knew that the holy spirit was there and like we said there was expectation right so we finished praying and said so what are you what are you feeling what are you hearing what are you seeing and she goes to cough and the phlegm was gone hundred percent right there in that moment it's insane and she jumped up and with the lack of a voice she goes he's real he loves me and listen she'll never forget that that Holy Spirit encounter she'll never forget it will define so much of her walk and so many of the kids in that room had never seen something like that i mean like i said i have my leaders we all were freaking out it was cool it was like a whole party in the room but i i just felt like we were supposed to share this with you we don't know where you guys are whether you've gotten that first feeling or you're looking for a feeling today but we want you to know that you're here part of our congregation and because of your willingness to support our youth they got to go and have that encounter and several other encounters. So we just thank you very much, guys. You're the best. Amen. Let's do this. If you close your eyes again and just put your hands out to receive, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask for a corporate filling of the Holy Spirit right here in this room. Amen. We have faith to see God move. I'm telling you right now, if you've never experienced this, this is your day. If you've been desperate to see something like this, or you've even said things like. That'll never happen for me. This is your day. God wants to fill you. He said all throughout scripture, ask and you shall receive, knock and the door will be opened. Jesus commanded us, wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait for the baptism. That's what we're doing here in this room, gathered together, we're waiting, we're pursuing. You just say this, Lord, I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit the filling of your Holy Spirit. Let it consume me, every fiber of my being, from the top of my head 
to the soles of my feet, filled to overflowing. Now stay right there in that moment. Don't open your eyes. Don't move. Just sit here. See what he's saying to you and what he's doing. And let it come. Sometimes we just whisper, yes, Lord. Let it come, Lord. More, Lord. That's us surrendering control. That's our spirit crying out. people in this room that have never felt the love of the Father or the presence of the Holy Spirit wash over you like a tidal wave, you're going to feel it now. There's people in this room that have guarded their heart, so many layers of pain and disappointment that you put up walls that said, I can't feel anything. God does that for other people, but not for me. He's going to break every layer. Let it come, Lord. We're going to stay right here in this moment. There's a few things you can do. You can stay right where you are. God might be ministering to you right where you are. I'm going to call the prayer team up front now. There's been folks that have been preparing all week to pray. I'll be up front as well to pray. If you want to come forward and receive prayer, the front is open. The altar is open. Don't drive home and think, I wish I would have stayed. So you can stay where you are and linger as we sing. We sit in his presence. You can come forward from, for prayer. I understand because of the time, some have to slip out. Lord, I pray that every one of us in this room would know the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would be a people that would walk in your spirit, continually filled with your spirit, and never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, let's worship and sing some more.